another episode of Knives Monroe versus the podcast. I'm Knives Monroe. How you guys doing? Hopefully you're doing well. OnyxTheMovie.com. I'm here with filmmaker Andrew Bowser. Andrew, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me here. It's so good to talk to you. Um, out of the blue, just to kind of give the listeners a little bit of context. Yeah. You were the most impressive follow from TikTok I've ever received. <laughs> it, was, it would be like as if Casey Neistat or somebody, you know, followed you you'd be like yeah wow, whoa how this happened and yeah. it was just completely humbling on my end because i'm i embrace my obscurity you know <laughs> so you reaching out i friend of the show dan lots who's also a fellow filmmaker just released a movie called the long con um a couple days ago in fact uh told me he he wanted to say how much of a big fan he was of yours um with your feature film worm so oh, yeah <laughs> you're you're a pioneer in the indie filmmaking space and what's strange is like you're still this underdog seemingly even though <laughs> yeah. you're a household name you know i told some of my following that i was going to speak with you everybody knows who you are you are well, that's you, cool you are ubiquitous man so i'd like to go ahead and get into it onyx the movie.com the kickstarter is up i i am yeah. so impressed with you've been able to raise over you know close to 160 thousand dollars yeah impressive uh, people <laughs> i've seen two backers have donated or added to the cause ten thousand dollars yeah it's true which i expected that to be a tier that kind of went unpledged but we've already got two ten thousand dollar backers which is great yeah i want one of those uh blu-rays so oh, yeah, I'll, yeah i'll be the one i think it's like 150 Right? 150 yeah yeah so that's nothing man um that's <laughs> nothing when it all is said and done so let's get into it once again before we get started i think we will talk about some onyx the fortuitous yeah. psychology i think people are very sure. interested in that but once again before we get into it proper onyx the please add to the cause anything if you can spare it i know times are tough but 5 10 15 dollars a cup of coffee yeah. whatever 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 you can spare please support the cause uh andrew i want to start by asking you where do, where do you come from <laughs> well i come from maryland i come from a suburb outside of dc called bowie and uh, a lot of people are confused because the onyx videos are set in detroit and uh or michigan area and so they assume that's where i'm from but that kind of just happened that was happenstance that we set one of the onyx videos in michigan i'm actually from maryland maryland and i ask all my guests this how many yeah. birthdays have you had how many birthdays yes sir i'm 38 38 years yeah. young so yeah i'm 32 gonna be 33 next month and I, I like yeah. to think that we're by and large from the same generation of analog, right? Or growing up watching movies mm -hmm. that were on television and maybe you were able to record the VHS, right? Yeah. Growing, growing up, what was it like for you in Maryland? I mean, I was always like a super introverted, 
art, artistic kid. I, I was always drawing and uh, always playing Maple Leaf. I was always, I guess I didn't realize it, but now I do. I was always in my head. I was in my head a lot. And I could look around and see that other kids weren't as in their heads. I remember even talking to my friends in elementary school about some thoughts I was having. I don't remember what it was about. It might have been about a girl I had a crush on or just something that was kind of weighing heavily on me. And I remember my friends just being like, why are you thinking about that? And then just continuing to play basketball. And I was like, why am I thinking about that? I don't know. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'd say I was an introvert and an artistic kid who kind of kept to himself. But then when I started performing, I got a little more extroverted. I always liked making people laugh. And then once I started like auditioning for the school plays and getting parts in the school plays, things kind of flipped out for me. And I, I, I became, I was never the class clown. Um, I wouldn't be the guy that would like do a prank in the middle of science class. I had a buddy named Mark that would do that. He did that horrible thing where he, you made yourself pass out. Oh no. Uh, don't do that. But my friend Mark would, and I wasn't that personality type. I wasn't um, like a member of jackass extroverted, but I really liked making people laugh. So over the course of middle school, I think is when I started realizing that I wanted to act and, and perform. Um, it didn't really make the social life of school better, but it just gave me a, a niche to be a part of being in the plays and having my theater, theater kids group. Did you have siblings? Yeah, I have two older sisters and um, they are both involved in uh, science. They're not, they're not performers. Although I started to draw originally because of my, my sister uh, or my mid my middle sister, she was always drawing and I started drawing and then got into comic books. So um, you were a hyper, really you were a hyper self-aware kid who seemed like yeah. you kind of were connected with that inner, inner voice at a very, very young age. What was, what yeah. was the parent situation like? Did that inform that somehow? Yeah. I mean, it must've, uh, I'm digging through a lot of it now in, in therapy as an adult, I had really great parents though. I had a, I had a wonderful upbringing and uh, they were always very supportive, uh, even when I started wanting to act on a bigger scale and it required getting headshots made and taking the train up to New York and spending a bit of money. We didn't have much money, but we we did spend what we had on on me trying to get an acting career going. And I only as an adult, and then, and then when I was about 19 or 20, my parents did get divorced. And so that definitely had an effect on me. But I, it wasn't until I was an adult when I realized um, that a lot of this, uh, God, a lot of this drive to create is tethered, or at least the way I relate to creating is tethered to something that I received parentally, whether it be that that's how I got worth and got applause or felt seen, um, or whether it was that a parent made me feel like I needed to be unique or needed to be special to kind of help the family. I don't know. There's, I'm still sifting through a lot of it, but it's definitely blended in to why I create and how I engage with my own work. I mean, even down to the Onyx movie that I've written, I didn't realize it's so much about his parents. There's like mm. a whole emotional subtext to it. That's about him and his dad. And uh, some interesting things came out as I was writing. But I don't want to make it sound like my parents were never uh, not supportive because they were, man. I mean, I like they went above and beyond. I booked a show when I was like 12 that took me around 
uh, the world. It was like a touring production of a of a Broadway show called The Secret Garden. Mm-hmm. My mom left work so she could be my guardian on that tour, you know? Wow. And so for like eight or nine months, my sisters and dad were were just back in, in Maryland while I was off gallivanting in Kyoto. And so they were always supportive. I just think there's something interesting kind of twisted up in like why I create and what I get from it or what I'm hoping to receive from it maybe. How did you know it was even possible? I'm curious because this is way before the internet. You know, um, I, I think I realized that movies were fake when I saw yeah. Sam Winston and Rick Baker and I saw some behind the scenes of how they made Alien yeah. or The Predator or something. And I was like, wait a second, somebody designed the Terminator totally. robot? I had no idea that was possible. So how did you even know performing was something that you could do and that you could be successful at it? I mean, certainly yeah. there's an engine required to propel yourself forward. What were what was going on at the time? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say if anybody is seeing this visually, I'm holding a cane and I don't want people to think I'm one of those pretentious people that like has a cane that they like to hold in interviews to look gothic or interesting. This is an onyx prop that happens to be on my little set here and I'm holding it because I like to have something to rest my hands on. Um, now, having said that, I I definitely think it was some kind of behind the scenes video or featurette on like a VHS tape. I remember specifically... Mm-hmm. It might have even been like Terminator or T2 because I remember specifically my interests going from I want to be in a movie. I remember watching like Last Crusade and being like, oh, Indiana Jones, it's so fun. I want to be having those adventures and thinking about it in a very simplistic way to to like then thinking, oh, my gosh, there's people making this. Mm -hmm. And the way I maybe play make believe with my action figures and create things in my in my head or drawings on a piece of paper as a comic strip for friends to laugh at that's like what a movie is you kind of create it and then it's this thing that everybody can sit back and and digest and i don't remember what it was but it it had to have been a monster movie of some kind um uh yeah it had to be like at the end of a vhs tape that i had because i remember it being about creature effects and seeing like specifically animatronic cables and wires and just that just really exciting me. And then like very as soon as I could get my hands on any kind of camera, which was still a few years, started shooting stuff with my friends and cutting it together on VCRs and all that. So me, like a lot of the listeners, I think there are people who and I did for years, Andrew, I thought Onyx was a real person. I really yeah. did. You must get this all the time. And I'm sure <laughs> yeah. being in you know, I'm not trying to duck drop you or anything, but being in Los Angeles or being in California, like surely you get you get noticed. You have a very recognizable aura, right? So I thought Onyx was a real person for a while until I discovered Bowser Vids on YouTube. Wait yeah. a second, this guy is an actor, director, filmmaker, etc. Um, I I'm very curious. As a as a, I just have to ask this because I'm looking at you right now. Yeah. How much how much of Onyx is you and how do you compartmentalize both? Because you are on yeah. all the time. Or so it yeah. appears. <laughs> you mean as Onyx or as, as Onyx. a person? Well, both. Yeah, as because <laughs> I, you know, I saw your yeah. live stream on Friday as well. You booked, yeah, it, yeah. you booked it in advance. Granted, you probably had a pot of coffee, but you were <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were selling this thing. And I have no doubt that you're going to hit your goal and then some, if not oh, more. Thank you. 
certainly, but you are on and yeah. the engine of being a filmmaker is a 24 seven hour job. And, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm very curious because you, you know, I did a deep dive on you once I discovered a couple, maybe a year ago that you were a real person, filmmaker, yeah. artist. You got your master's degree in filmmaking. Not my math. I didn't get a degree in filmmaking at all. I went to film school. Got it. So if it says that anywhere, that's I wrong. thought I saw I actually, you got an MFA. Did I see that? No, I mean I was studying uh, to get an MFA. Got Wait, it. No, it wouldn't be an MFA. It would be a bachelor's, a BFA, at School of Visual Arts. And yeah, that was one of my. I know this isn't an answer to your question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to forget where where you were but, going. But thanks for the clarification. But, yeah. Oh, it's all good. But one of my first like major disappointments was 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 uh, having to leave film school. I had to leave film school because we ran out of money. Mm. And, uh, and, 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 and not to get too deep, too quick, but my, uh, second year of film school was in New York at the school of visual arts and it was nine 11. Um, and so being in New York, it's this weird mixture of things going to film school is all I ever wanted at that point. When I, you know, I went from acting to doing photography and making my own videos and then yeah, really realized in the court in high school that like I'm a director. I want to be a director. There's nothing that encompasses all the things I love about storytelling more than being a director. Mm-hmm. So then going to film school and getting into SVA was huge. I got rejected from NYU, but SVA was kind of like the Bohemian sister school to NYU. They're not actually related, but they're very close, even in proximity in the city. Mm. And getting into SVA was a dream come true. And then it was over the course of those first two years that my parents got their divorce. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 to, to, to experience 9-11 as like a kid still that was there to have like dreams come true was 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 jarring to say the least. Yeah. And then a few months after that, it, it was just apparent that my family didn't have the resources to continue to put me through film school. And... Uh, and I know that the travesty of what happened that day is is the the biggest thing to happen that day was clearly not like Bowser got disillusioned about his dreams coming true. I want to explain that. Um, it just it just was a part of my life and a part of my experience and and being younger, you know, it yeah, it it shook me on a level that made me kind of rethink everything. Like, oh, I guess well, things don't things don't go as planned on 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 a great many levels. Um, both big and small. But um, so I, at the end of that year, I had to leave film school. I asked a number of my teachers if I could stay. And I actually uh, like just an audit their classes mm-hmm. for free, which is probably unfair to ask um, since I wasn't paying. But a few of them did. A few of them let me finish that year wow. um, just sitting at the back of the class. And one of those teachers was my production teacher, like my film production teacher, which was the most important class to me. And he was like, of course, dude, just show up. I'm, I'm not going to turn you away. So I was able to continue my film production class all of uh, year two. I was able to continue my film history class all of year two. Wasn't allowed to come to my screenwriting class. No. <laughs> it wasn't a, 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 I was able to get most of my editing course done. So anyway, um, that was my college experience. And I, and I felt bad about not finishing college for a long time. I thought like, God, how cool would that be to be an alumni and to get invited back? And I have friends from that school that get invited back mm. to, to do things and screenings and speak. And, you know, 
Uh, I don't because I didn't finish, but I'm kind of like, well, maybe I can become successful enough to get that. Uh, what is it that, you know, honorary degree from SVA one day because I did love the school. Uh, as were far as you, Onyx, though, were you or, class of 1999 ish around there? I would have gone into I graduated high school 2000 2000. OK, yeah. So I went into freshman year of college 2000, mm-hmm. sophomore year 2001. And yeah. then it happened. And then it happened. Yeah. yeah. Oh a few gosh. months into our. Yeah. You were so young. When even. you look back, that's just you were too young, man. That. Yeah. Now I. I yeah. When I see kids that are that age nowadays, I'm like, you're a child. And I picture <laughs> us and we woke waking up in our dorm room and looking outside because um, <laughs> you know, we could see from our dorm room. Um, we were on like 23rd. I think we were on East 23rd. But we could look down and just see the smoke from the towers and it, it was so discombobulating to say the least and we were i mean we were just spun around uh in a panic mm-hmm. um and you know couldn't i don't know if anybody remembers this but like cell phones were kind of barely a thing like i mm-hmm. i had a cell phone it was one of those really early nokias but they were like taken over for emergency communication so you had no cell signal so we were all running out onto the street to find a payphone just to like let our parents know we were okay. And at every payphone, there were lines of New Yorkers just waiting to use the payphone for similar calls or to call to see if someone they knew further downtown was okay. Um, it was it was wild. And it was just wild to kind of come back from that and then go to film class, you know? And yeah. it's just like surreal. How, how long from – and we'll get back to that Onyx question. Yeah. And the reason why I asked was because I looked at you as a master's degree person, you know, and I was like, wow, you have the craziest credentials. You've worked with like Bruce Campbell and all these amazing, amazing <laughs> yeah. figures, you know. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that. How long yeah. between when you're shadowing classes to you get a first solid payday as a film person? Well – at the 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 uh the year that I was at school or the half a year that I was at school where I didn't where I wasn't technically enrolled I happened to walk I don't know if I've ever told this story on a podcast this is kind of funny I happened to walk across the street one morning uh I was working at the Strand bookstore downtown and I'm walking across the street and the lead singer of one of my favorite bands crosses the street <laughs> and Which anybody band? that knows early 2000s music will love this but Dashboard Confessional Oh yeah, screaming uh, infidelities, baby. Exactly. Yeah. So Chris Carava starts crossing the street, and I was all in my head. I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, I uh, I'm having to leave school. This is horrible." Blah 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 blah. Woe is me. And then I see Chris Carava, and I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, that's one of my favorite dudes." And I kind of circle back. I'm like, well, "You should go talk to him. Just say like, hey, I'm a filmmaker. And I love your music.'" So I circled back, and it's I'm on like Fifth Avenue, and there's just so many people. But then I see him. And I go up to him and I'm like, hey, man, not to bother you. I just want to let you know I'm a fan and I'm an aspiring filmmaker. And he was like, well, what are you doing? Let's get breakfast together. Wow. And we like duck into a Dunkin' Donuts on 23rd. And we sit down and have breakfast. And wow. I tell him like, well, I just got you know, kicked out of film school for running out of money and all that. And he basically said, he was like, well, you know, you, you just got to keep creating. It, it, there's always going to be some financial plug that's pulled or some resource that's yanked. And he was basically like, you know, you've got to be self-dependent. And um, and it's not nothing I had too hard of a time doing. Already. But there were actually some lessons first year of film school. I had a guy edit a feature I had shot 
and he just stopped editing it and I and gave me the hard drives back. So yeah. I was already learning those lessons of being as independent and as an autonomous as as an autonomous of a creator as possible. But that conversation with Chris Caraba, who's a dude that's also like, you know, made a name for himself on an album that he did pretty much solely on his own. Um, I took that to heart and he was like, hey, and if you ever shoot any music videos, send them to my record label. Here's their P.O. box. So I took that. And this is something I do to kind of stay afloat and stay alive, even when I know it's a delusion. Mm. But this, I guess, is good for any indie filmmaker to know that to me kind of got me to the next mile marker of. All right. So I'm going back to Maryland. Mm. I'm, I'm, I've got no film school, but I'm going to make four music videos for dashboard confessional songs that he didn't ask for mm. and get them to him. So I immediately back in Maryland and everybody's like, oh, what happened to New York? I'm like, doesn't matter. Shut the fuck up. We're making these music videos. Yes. So I immediately shoot four music videos for an EP he had called the So Impossible EP. And I sent them to his record labels, P.O. Box on DVD. How and, did you film um, those? Huh? How did you film those? On what? So, How? Yeah. So this is interesting, too. One of the other music videos I made at the time that no one asked me to make was for a contest for this band Boxcar Racer, which was Tom DeLong from Blink-182. I won that contest which was like such a huge deal for me at the time because the prize was either to go to LA and hang with the band or get the cash value of the trip, which was enough to get me my first computer. Mm. So when I spoke with the record label person, she was really honest with me. She was like, can I be honest with you? If you say yes to the trip, like it's, I, I, it's never going to happen. She was like, I don't know. Like the contract says they could fly you out a decade from now. Like uh. she was like, just take the cash prize, dude. Mm. And I took the cash and bought myself a Mac and I started editing for my church's like youth group and they had a camera. Mm -hmm. So I like for the church. Mm -hmm. So I would edit youth group videos. This is like right after getting kicked out of film school, yes. edit youth group videos. And then I'd say, Hey, could I use the camera on the weekend? I mean, it's just sitting in the locked up in the gear closet. They'd say, yeah, sure. So I'd make those music videos on my church's camera. And, um, sent them off to dashboard and I got a phone call from him. I got a phone call from him in like a month where he said he wanted to try and release them on a, a special release, re-release of the EP that never happened. But again, you just take these little nuggets of encouragement or little thumbs ups along the way to push you to your next lily pad of whatever creative endeavor you're going to pursue. So I just started making music. I thought, well, that worked enough. That worked to get a connection, to get introduced to a record label. I'm just going to start making these demo music videos for other bands. So I would find a song I liked and just make a music video with my friends and send it to them. And eventually that led to me getting uh, paid jobs directing music videos. And my first one, to get back to your original question, was a music video for an artist named Butch Walker for a song called Mixtape. And it was probably maybe a year after leaving film school, um, I was back in New York to shoot his music video. And the funny thing was I had to go to East 23rd to get a, a prop. There was like this store that I knew because of my dorm being close. And I was walking down the street the morning of this music video shoot to grab this prop. And I passed my production teacher, Zoran. He's outside of the school smoking a cigarette like he always was. And he was like, Andrew, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm back to shoot a music video. And I was so nervous. I was doing that thing. I'm sure every filmmaker does. I do it less and less now, but 
you'll get hung up on one physical moment of blocking that you haven't worked out. You're just like, but how is that actor <laughs> going to get from the table to the, well, because if we're in our wide, I'm going to need some kind of insert, but I can't do like 10 special shots in one setup. And you're just running through setups in your head. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't yet learned that so much is worked out on the day. I mean, you prep mm-hmm. and you prep and you prep, but you get in the space and you work out the blocking with your actors and camera. But I had stayed up all night just thinking about this one moment of blocking that I hadn't figured out beforehand because he couldn't figure it out beforehand because we hadn't been in the space yet. You know, it was all like run and gun. But I, I ran into Zoran on the street and he was like, how are you doing? And I said, well, I'm nervous, dude. I, I have a music video shoot today and I'm, I'm freaking out. And he said, uh, he said something like, well, you wouldn't be here if it weren't time for you to be here. So if you have this job, that means you're going to do good at the job. And not in a magic sense, but in like an experiential sense. Yeah. And the truth is, I did know I wouldn't botch that music video. I just, I wouldn't let it get botched. You know, I would fight to get every shot I needed. I would rush to get everything in before the sun went down. I knew that, but I just didn't have enough like boots on the ground experience at that yet. Mm-hmm. And I went into the shoot and then that music video led to a number of other music videos for bands on that record label, Armor for Sleep and Gym Class Heroes and um, a band called Copeland. Um, uh, gosh, a band called Forgive Durden, a band called Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. I just made like a bunch of kind of indie music videos until I moved to LA in like 2007, 2006, 2006. What's fascinating for, you know, for the listeners, you know, first of all, onyxthemovie.com, support the cause yeah. if you can, <laughs> $5, 10 15 whatever you can. Please uh, make a note for that. I'm talking to Andrew Bowser, director of the soon-to-be-made Onyx, The Fortuitous, and The Talisman of Souls. Yes. It's worth noting that all this hustle and all this work that you're putting into these these endeavors are are basically, by and large, pre-internet 2.0, but more importantly, pre-YouTube. Yeah. Right. Like resourcefulness is really all we had back then, as opposed to resources. There was no I'm going to make a movie on one of these or a GoPro or what have you. For sure. So that's really worth noting. Now, I could pick your brain all all day, but I want to make the best out of your time. What in your incredible career are you most proud of or what one to two to three things are you most proud of? What comes top of mind? Well, you mean big picture or, or like projects or you just mean more? I would say individual moments where maybe yeah. you're riding on a plane on the way back home and you're like so satisfied of, right, this is fucking awesome. I am living the dream. Totally. I am a filmmaker. I got to work with some of my idols. Like what, what are those moments yeah. that, that stand out to you? Well, I, I've always had a really hard time. Uh, appreciating those moments. And, and, and that's, I'm getting better at doing that, but it's interesting that you asked that question because I'm the type of person to never, not never, but I have to fight to have those thoughts of appreciation or recognizing that uh, a moment might mean something or that a project might have meant something. Have you worked out why it's more difficult for you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I, I do this thing where I both idealize something and then I also act like I'm very deprived. So like, uh, so, you know, even with this Kickstarter, I'll be like in my mind somewhere, I really think it's possible. We'll raise the money. And I really think all the work of doing Onyx 
on the internet for almost 10 years is going to pay off and that many, many fans will show up. And beyond that, I do go to like, and the movie's going to be great. Like the movie's going to be like, everyone's going to be like, wow, I thought it would be this, but it's actually this. It's this really great, well-structured adventure horror film. But it's also like, are we looking at a new voice in comedy? You know, like I have of all of those like ego driven or not even ego driven, I guess, just like optimistic thoughts. Yes. But I can't find a middle ground. If I don't, if, if, if it's not that, uh, it, it's fuck, we're not going to get the fucking money. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking piece of shit. All of this was for nothing. Fucking move back to Maryland, dude. Have fun. You know, just like drop it down to zero. And that is exactly like what I'm trying to work out in therapy every week is why do I have to go from top of the mountain to just like fucking annihilation? Why can't it be, hey, it's going to be hard to raise the money. It might not, everybody might not show up that you think. Maybe not everybody that loves Onyx wants to see an Onyx movie, but you might get the money. It's just going to take more work than you thought and a lot more output than you thought. And it's going to feel more lived in and both bad and good along the way, instead of just all good or all bad. And I don't know what that is. It's maybe has something to do with pressures that were put on me as a, as a, as a kid, like I said, about kind of being special or being unique to maybe help out the family as a whole or mean something more. May I propose a theory? Yeah, please. You know, this might not be, your therapist might not appreciate this. um, But I think when you're an artist, there is a healthy degree and an unhealthy degree. Yeah. There's a healthy, it's a balance. There's a healthy degree of these delusions of grandeur, yeah. of ambition, of I'm going to shoot for the fucking stars and the moon ain't even ain't even an option. I don't want right. to land on the moon. I want the, I want right. the fucking stars. Totally. And I, I honestly think you have that. You know, could it be difficult when it's, Time to stop and smell the roses and answer some random obscure guy on the internet's podcast question. Sure, it might be a little <laughs> difficult for you, but look at what you've been able to accomplish. You have lived hundreds of thousands of indie filmmaker dreams right. at once, and you still have the audacity to dream bigger to ask right. for more, to want more. So, having said that, it, 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 you know, I, I think that's I think that's what it is. It's it's called the process. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, yeah. um, you're chasing the next concept album. If we're speaking like in band terms, right? You're not just settling for it. Yeah, I made Abbey Road, and I get to coast off of that. Right. You know, I'm sure Abbey Road wasn't what the Beatles wanted, but they settled right. for it. You know, and so that's that's part of it. So maybe with enough with enough objectivity, one day. You'll be able to look back at a bird's eye view and see the mosaic for the large picture for what it is. And I'm sure sure that'll be its own reward. But this journey that you're on right now, you're swinging for the fucking fences. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. I do. I've gotten better at recognizing that, that like I, I had a film at South by Southwest in like 2010 and a bunch of my buddies from Maryland came to the film festival with me because they were in the movie and the whole trip was torture for me because I just kept thinking, yeah, I'm here. That's great. But I've always wanted to be here. So now I'm here. I need to sell this movie and I've got a sequel written. I need to get that sold. I need an agent. I still don't have an agent. Mm. You know, and I was just like on this other level of what this trip could mean. Whereas my buddies were just having fun. They were just stoked to be there drinking tequila with me in Texas and sitting back and watching our movie on a big screen in front of a packed theater. And I can like, I, I can enjoy those moments. But then 
they're quickly kind of like spit out because it's almost like I'm afraid if I let the good in, I'll become complacent and I'll relax too much. I always have to have this friction of no, 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 that's that's not enough. So think about the next thing. But it does lead to a very dissatisfied way of living. And I, I don't want that. I'm not the type of person that's happy with living in that place of yeah. like, it's never enough. You know, I don't like stewing in my own resentment or anything. I like being productive. So with all that said, I do really treasure having a film at South by Southwest in 2010, that experience with my my friends. I remember we just a few years ago, I was back in Maryland and we were having drinks, the same group of friends and I. And one of my buddies said, you know what one of my favorite memories is, is that trip to Texas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I feel like shit. Because for me, that trip was torture. <laughs> and I realized I was like, I'm looking at this all wrong. But then another big thing was directing Bruce Campbell, because mm-hmm. that was just pure like bucket list. You can't deny that that was a, a bucket list thing. You know, my brain couldn't convince me that there was anything missing from that experience, because I've loved Bruce Campbell for so long. I mean, I'd gone to horror conventions in Baltimore to get him to sign copies of Evil Dead. And watching Army of Darkness on TV was probably one of my first forays into like horror uh, before I got really into horror. My dad and I watching Army of Darkness. So that directing Bruce Campbell was a moment that I really did let let it in how good it was as a as a filmmaker. On the on the flip side, and this is I don't think you can enjoy the good without really getting kicked in the teeth. You yeah. Know? Because then the yeah. good have become these little respites. It's like if you've gone three days without water, oh, that first glass of water tastes a lot totally. better, right? So what are what have been some low lights? Well, honestly, uh worm, the a big low light for worm was that I felt like it was such a big statement. I guess you, you, you sometimes you feel toyed with as a filmmaker because you you kind of read the room and you feel like people are looking for these innovative ways for filmmakers to tell stories and they're looking to reward those filmmakers that are pushing the envelope. And then with Worm, I felt like I attempted something that nobody had done. I attempted to shoot an entire feature on a GoPro in one take mm-hmm. with the actor wearing the camera the entire time. AKA and I know that you. sounds like what. AKA you for uh, yes me you're me, doing me. it yeah. no less <laughs> right right and 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 beyond all of that and beyond just the gimmick of it because I know that can sound like a gimmick like oh okay cool well oh, is there a story there yes I feel like there really was a good story because nothing matters to me more than story the only thing I care about is story I like I story tell. structure I like character I like everything being three dimensional and lived in even Onyx. Like I refuse to, that's one of the reasons why I'm fighting to get the movie made because he's not just a meme to me. He's a character, he's a person with a life, you know, and that I think is really fun to explore. So I felt like Worm was such like a great effort from a filmmaker that did largely go unrecognized. At least it went unrecognized from some of the festivals that I felt could have put it on the map and, and namely South by Southwest. I mean, I was rejected from South by Southwest, even as an alumni. And that hurt to hmm. to have a film there in 2010 that, and then be like, I'm back. It's 2013. It's only been a few years. And this thing is like fucking crazy. I shot it on a GoPro in Oklahoma in 110 degree weather. It looks great. Visually. It was, oh, I mean, even getting the that was before GoPro could shoot at like 24 frames per second. They hadn't done any of that like cinematic updates. And we had to like fight to get that update 
before mm. anyone else because we were trying to make a movie and mm. uh it's another really crazy side story but i had shot a wedding of somebody uh who had connections to gopro and got us that update right before we shot wow but um so worm not getting into south by was a really big bummer because when it did get into festivals and not to toot my own horn but people's response to it at festivals was holy shit like this is fucking great. I mean, the, the, the head of the blacklist, um, who runs the blacklist, you know, screenplay website was like, who the fuck are you, dude? You know, this is amazing. Hmm. And, um, at Seattle international film festival, I tell, I sound like an old guy telling, you know, like back in the day, I had, I had success, but you know, to be at a film festival like Seattle international, which was one of the film festivals that really accepted worm and celebrated it. There was an email blast sent out from the, the head of the festival to all of his staff. And he was like, if you see one movie, see Worm while you're, uh, while you're attending and working at this festival. So like to be in that, I was like, okay, I think Worm is going to be the thing, mm-hmm. you know? But again, like you talk about getting your teeth knocked out, like you have to realize that, especially as an indie artist, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to Worm was your bottle rocket. Worm was your clerks. Yeah. Worm was your El Mariachi you know, it doesn't necessarily, it, especially with the age that we are, mm-hmm. like, I'm starting to understand, well, the indie film thing isn't even really the generation I'm a part of, but I'm making things like I'm part of the indie film generation of the 90s mm-hmm. that I grew up on mm-hmm. when the world is out there mm-hmm. looking at YouTube and TikTok. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I'm like, well, then fuck it. I'll start an Onyx TikTok. <laughs> you know. so, so this organically came up and this is my favorite subject to talk about in life yeah. this is like my football or whatever people yeah. love my gun talk or whatever um is this idea of man i don't want to go on a soapbox i don't have time for that but <laughs> i i mourned cinema i'd say from 2013 to 20 17 like maybe almost five years i mourned the death of what we grew up on which is is this my reservoir dogs is this my the cruise or name your movie Mm -hmm. that it i had to accept and i didn't know if i still wanted to be a filmmaker in that world that wasn't going to show a movie in a room with people who get to watch it on a big screen like that's what i signed up for and it took Guys like you, guys like Casey Neistat, guys like Dave Knopp, who've been on this show, to show me that filmmaking is constantly evolving. Right. And now there's no difference. I call it a post-cinema singularity, where it doesn't matter if you're watching it in your home theater on Netflix, HBO, if you're watching it at the Alamo Draft House, or if you're watching it on your TikTok, on your phone. You can still have those, you can still transmit radical ideas that only cinema can. Right. And that took a long time. Can you talk to me about that path for you, that journey? Because you come from old media at the same time. And and I'm assuming maybe you've even worked on celluloid. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, all my film. So walk me through where we are now in this almost filmmaking 2.0 kind of world where I see what you do on TikTok and I think, and this is a conversation that we'll get to. This was really meaningful to me and why I reached out to you, not yeah. just to promote Onyx the Movie at onyxthemovie.com, Kickstarter mm-hmm. campaign there. I'm seeing it right now, 
1,864 backers. That's absolutely yeah. insane. So onyxthemovie.com, please check it out. Support the cause. But I also wanted to reach out to you as a as a fellow kindred spirit and talk about there's an argument to be made. Why do you even want to make an Onyx movie when right. what you're doing on TikTok you're reaching more eyes than one movie possibly maybe even can more people watch your tiktoks than have seen warm and that's simultaneously an incredible accomplishment and a travesty and it and it hurts doesn't it i i I know it does sure but so we have to ask ourselves as ever evolving ever adapting auteurs you know do we go where the attention is and that's the point or what did i sign up for and how do you reckon with that yeah, it's difficult because um, I really enjoy, I genuinely enjoy TikTok. I thought when people told me to get on it, especially with the character, I was like, yeah, I don't know. But then I tried it and I and I spent time on the app learning kind of the language of the video content. And, and then I did start to catch a vision for what uh, Onyx could do on that app, especially because I'm an editor. So the idea of doing like clean transitions which are just match cuts. It cracked me up that the TikTok community is like, transition God. And I'm like, it's a match cut. You're, <laughs> you're told to do that day one of editing class, like cut on motion, you know, cut yeah. on action. Yeah. And then like TikTok is an app dedicated to people trying to figure out how to cut on action, yep. which is wild to me. But, um, uh, or, or even just the idea of like getting cross coverage wrong and getting like eyelines wrong, you know, nobody cares on TikTok. So I liked the idea of putting that character in that environment. Um, but it, it, when it comes down to why would I pursue a film over just continuing to kind of push him as a character on a platform like TikTok, it might be a, a selfish reason, but it's, it's just because, because feature film narrative is my white whale. That's what I'm obsessed with. I'm obsessed with, just as an artist, crafting a feature film narrative. Um, I'm, I'm just entranced by it. I, I love the form, the shape of it, how you can get people engaged and send them off on an adventure that's believable that they buy in for for this amount of time. And I'm obsessed with it when it doesn't work. I, I love talking about films when they don't work, uh, but in a nuanced way, talking about where I think the script went wrong or what I think they needed to make those characters be more real to me. And But it's all to then make my own thing. You know, I, I don't like talking about I have a hard time listening to podcasts that are just like opinion podcasts on film. I like talking about the bones of the thing and how it could have worked better because there they are they are problems that can be solved. I mean there's some films that I think just couldn't be solved. But uh, almost any time I walk out of a movie I didn't like, I I can think of three ideas that were doable, not just these kind of Monday morning quarterbacking ideas mm-hmm. of like, oh, it shouldn't have been about a bank robbery. No, but like looking at the film for the pieces that they had there and saying, man, if they'd moved that, shifted that, cut that scene, and then made this character uh, an amalgam of this character, mm-hmm. it would all would have worked better. And that's just what excites me. So like, mm-hmm. it's not to downplay TikTok because I actually get excited to shoot Onyx videos on TikTok. They make me laugh. And I told myself in the beginning, I, would, I was just doing it to make me laugh, uh, to just have fun with Onyx in a new way. But, you know, a few months in and I start to get ideas for a movie and then I start to think maybe the TikTok stuff could lead to a movie and it all just goes back to that. It just, it all just goes back to that for me personally. But Mm -hmm. on a bigger scale, I do think it's important that we're still pushing 
uh, an appetite for feature film consumption and especially like original characters and original IP because whereas my opinions might not be as hardline as a Scorsese or where, or maybe I just don't have the right to have that hardline of an opinion because I'm not as amazing as he is. I do think there's a danger that we're consuming movies that are incredibly safe. I mean, incredibly safe. Like the stuff we watch, we can't get through the Mandalorian spoiler alert. We can't get through the Mandalorian without giving us something that we recognize from 30 years ago. Like we're just, we're in this comfortable bed of nostalgia that I think is lulling people to sleep when it comes to cinema. Um, Everything's a remix. Everything's a retread. Everything is, you liked this thing before. Let me give it to you again. Whereas I sat down and watched first reformed when it came out, Mm -hmm. the Paul Schrader Mm -hmm. movie, Mm -hmm. and it fucking ripped my head off with how original it was. And, and it shouldn't have blown my mind that much. It blew my mind that much because I've gotten accustomed to the content we're getting as cinema. And I've gotten a little too comfy. And all of a sudden, I'm watching a movie where a guy's wrapping himself in barbed wire. And I have to have an emotional confrontation with that. And, uh, you know, and people can say that there's emotion in, in Marvel movies and in, you know, um, Star Wars film. There, there's a, there, sure there, there is a motion. I don't know that there's an emotional confrontation that you have with mm-hmm. your place in the world, with your relationship to mortality. You know, not to sound again like an old man, but when I watch movies from the '70s, they fucking like lay me out. They make me think about heavy shit. Yeah, and I think that's what Scorsese is talking about when when he's talking about movies being amusement park rides is they don't actually push you to a place of like reckoning with yourself and your place in the world. Cinema can do that. It can be more than just a product pipeline to keep toys or, you know, comic books being sold. And I do think there's a danger of us getting away from that for too long until cinema is just this like stagnant swamp that has a fucking thick layer of, of moss on top of it. All that to say, Honest Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls is not as good as First Reformed, but it's original. It's one person's voice created not by committee, created not to stay within the lines, created to be kind of self-serving in a way as a creator, which I think ultimately serves an audience better. You know, the more a filmmaker listens, I think, to their personal creative voice, the more it winds up working for a larger audience because it hits people on a deeper level. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to pursue making a film because I, you know, you're out here and you're pitching stuff and they're like, oh, well, we don't want horror comedy. Okay, well, what if it was good horror comedy? Oh, I don't know. We're not even going to think that far. We're just going to say no before we let you in. You know, mm-hmm. you really get frustrated uh, of just, well, then I need to come up with an idea. You really get to a place where you're like, I have to come up with an idea 30 other people would have. I have to come up with an unoriginal idea. That's actually how to get something made, you know? And that's fucking sad. <laughs> that's sad. Yeah. So all those reasons are why, are why I want to make up. I really respect that. Um, <laughs> I think that there has to be, I think there's a white whale in, in chasing, maybe it's a silhouette, in chasing this marriage between New media, TikTok, vertical video, yeah. what, whatever it is, and reaching and recalibrating the mind and like mm-hmm. reaching that first reform. That movie fucked me up too. And it's not one of the only yeah. ones. 
um, I missed that too. There was a danger. I like what you said, the confrontation. You have right. to say, well, how do I feel about this? The first time you watch, yeah. name a movie, right? Yeah. Um, and I totally agree with you there. But there has to be, when I say I mourned cinema, and this isn't to push back on what you're saying, because I asked you and you gave me your response and answer. And, that, <laughs> and that's what it is. Yeah. But for me, and I'm still, when I say I mourned cinema, it's it was making peace with saying goodbye to the former world, the former paradigm. Yeah. We're in a new paradigm. And I think Martin Scorsese is right. But there are new voices that never would have existed, that did not grow up with filmmaking with a capital F and the Robert Rodriguez rebel from the without a crew sense of the word who are doing like Madeline Turner, who's on TikTok. Surely she's popped up on your feed is doing is filmmaking. She's making like daisies, like the movie daisies. She's making this kind of content. Yeah. Storytelling that is reaching a whole new audience or Scorpio Sierra. I think is her name is another one that's that does these perfect loop kind of thoughtful, evocative, almost Sofia Coppola-esque kind of things. Yeah. I believe that if Chris Nolan, J.J. Abrams, Quentin Tarantino were 14 years old today, best believe yeah. they'd be making groundbreaking TikTok work, right? So I think they're – I think I want to challenge you on this. And yeah. uh, we, we can talk about Onyx now because I, I got to – I got to – Got to talk to Andrew, which is what I really wanted. It's <laughs> what I really wanted. But um, yeah, I wanna I wanna lean on this and and say, Onyx the Fortuitous. I'm sorry, Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls at onyxthemovie.com. That and you could you could contribute, you know, five dollars, ten, fifteen, and if you're if you're a sycophant like me, maybe you can even contribute a uh, hundred and fifty dollars. And the perks <laughs> are just insane. I think you overdid it with the perks. Quite frankly, I might have. I don't even know how you're going to be able to afford to make a movie because these perks are insane. But you got to check them out. And the only way to do that is to go to onyxmovie.com to do so. So please do so. You won't offend me. Go ahead and pause the podcast. Just just park the car. You know, what's the big fucking deal? And just contribute. Okay, contribute to the cause. But um, you had said in a live stream last Friday that if you don't make this. Yeah. You're going to hang up the boots and retire Onyx the fortuitous. You're going to take him away from Americana, from the consciousness. You're going to scrub him off the internet or so you say. Right. First of all, how dare you? And secondly, (laughs) do you think that's actually possible? And why? Yeah. Well, the why is, is that I love Onyx. He is such a huge part of me. I mean, he is my alter ego but he's also just my middle school self kind of frozen in time he's he means a lot to me but i think even onyx knows that my passions as a filmmaker are what really fuel me and uh, what really pushed me forward to pursuing the next creative endeavor so if after 10 years onyx can't blend into those passions and kind of onyx give me a feature uh then i don't know a way forward with him because my excitement for the character is about exploring his life further and his world further. Mm-hmm. And I tried to do it with a web series called Welcome to the Shadow Zone when I was at Nerdist and then tried to get from that a TV, a proper TV pilot financed and it didn't go forward. And the things you discover as a creative when you're fleshing out these worlds, uh, they're really exciting and they're what make you see a, a, a way forward with that character. So to shelve that pilot was a bummer. 
And then to have written this script that I find so funny and so invigorating, um, to, to not, if you can't get it off the ground through crowdfunding, then I feel like it's a sign that the character might have done as much as he could do and gone as far as he can go in relation to what I want out of him. Because I know he may mean things to the internet and to audiences that like him, but they don't, he doesn't mean the same thing to me. Uh, he, I, I, I want to do something on a bigger narrative scale with him. That's what excites me. Uh, and then there's also just the logistics of, you know, I don't, um, make a living off of making Onyx content. You know, I have, I'm a producer and I'm working on four different jobs right now as a digital producer for different outlets, digital outlets. Um, one of those jobs is full time. And then I, I still that. have three freelance producing jobs mm -hmm. outside of the full-time job. So a lot of it is just the reality of being an adult. I can't continue to pump out YouTube content and TikTok content with Onyx that doesn't lead to something more stable as a career. And out here, I mean, yes, I guess Onyx could make a living like the D'Amelio sisters do. I don't know if he'll ever be that big on TikTok though. Out here, if I don't get a feature film or a TV project up on its feet, sometime in the near future, you know, that's not really uh, good for my career, you know? So it's also just looking at it logistically. I think as far as backing away from him, also, I would just innately, like we've talked about, you go to this next lily pad. If the campaign for this feature film fails, and I'm also, as this campaign is running, writing producers and financiers mm -hmm. about just funding the movie outside of Kickstarter. May I also recommend going on every podcast? Oh, yeah, totally. There's a podcast uh, based in California right now uh, with comedian Tom Segura and Christina Pazinski, and they have a podcast yeah. called Your Mom's House. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, they've reposted Onyx videos before. Yo, that's why. So surely yeah. I think their, their fans would support this cause. Find your yeah, way to totally. get on that show. Yeah. As Andrew. I, yeah, totally. I'll write them. I will say, um, I, I won't name names, but you know, I've written a lot of people over the last two weeks that have shared Onyx content, and no, no one's written me back. It's, 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 it's just different when you've got an ask, you know, when you're running a Kickstarter and you're asking for promotion. Um, I've written people that like love Onyx and, and that already followed me on Twitter. And I've just asked them to reshare the, uh, the Kickstarter link and they just haven't. I tell you who did though. You want to know who's a real one? Who? The LP from run the jewels. Fuck yes. Oh my he, God. He, I he, almost he, wore my run the jewels shirt. He, uh, he says, notice me senpai in a song. <laughs> called oh mama. And years ago, when that song came out, he tweeted, for anyone that doesn't know the reference, yes. I'm referencing this guy. And he oh. shared Weird Satanist Guy. Wow. So I know that they referenced the, 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 my video in their song. So I tweeted at LP, and I said, any chance you'd reshare my Kickstarter link? You know, I know you shared, you like my content. He reshared it immediately. And it's that kind of stuff where I'm like, well, that's because he knows. He knows. He, he knows. knows what it's like to have to fucking hustle. Yes. Um, so, so anyway, uh, to just finish my answer about whether or not I would retire Onyx, the problem is as an artist, I know if this doesn't happen, it, just internally, I will want to make something else that mm. is nothing like Onyx because I've been pushing it for so long because I've been writing the script for months and planning this Kickstarter for months. So if this fails, it's just like inevitably, I won't be able to put on that fedora and 
and goof around anytime soon. I'm going to go and make a dark horror film for no money, you know, in my backyard. It'll be something like Worm. Like Worm came after me pushing a comedy pilot at uh, the Cartoon at Cartoon Network. They were going to mm-hmm. start to do live action. Mm-hmm. And we had a pilot, me and my writing buddy, that was top of the stack. They were like, dude, we're doing your pilot. And I was going to get to audition for it, not guaranteed that I'd play the main part. But it was basically about this kid winning uh, the chance to be the sidekick to his favorite superhero. It was called The Sidekick Diaries. And they uh, they canned their live action department because uh, they went over budget on one of their other live action shows. And so they were like, we can't handle doing live action. Shut it all down. So I, I almost a year of, of waiting for this pilot to go. We had a script deal. We were paid. And then, you know, two years after that, uh, Nickelodeon does Henry Danger, which is the Sidekick Diaries. That's like what our show was. Yeah. And it, I made Worm because I had been pushing this kid's comedy pilot for a year and kind of waiting for it to go. And then it, it just you don't you don't want to like mine the same uh, territory after you've spent time in it. You just you just at least for me as an artist, you, you just feel drawn to something that's the opposite. So I know if this movie doesn't happen, I'm going to make like a dark horror film with no humor. I'm not uh, going to pursue Onyx for some time. I, I mean, I, I definitely don't think I'd be up for like making TikToks anytime soon. If this campaign fails, I'll also be, you know, probably pretty sad. So this campaign, which by the way, and I feel like you have to make it, there's 32 days of this recording. Yeah. We're at February 28th. 32 days yeah. ago, it is an all or nothing project. And just to answer one of the frequently asked questions, this is Kickstarter. This is not GoFundMe where it's like they take the crumbs. Kickstarter yeah. is all or nothing. So if you donate $10,000 and this project does not reach its goal, you get your $10,000 back right. and Onyx movie right. does not exist. So there's the risk reward ratio. This is an yeah. all or nothing project that will only be funded when it reaches its goal by Friday, April 2nd, 2021. So yep. there's so much pressure on this. There's 32 days yeah. ago. That's not a lot of time. Surely if I you know. do the math and you take your panic attack out outside of this, <laughs> hey, you see yeah. that you have to raise X amount by each time. And, and I still have faith that you can do this. And if you don't mind, if you could just indulge me, we're wrapping up here. OnyxTheMovie.com is where you can go to donate. This is a plea to my audience and to the fellow filmmakers and creatives and aspiring DIY folk, please. Just like how the Zack Snyder sycophants were able to hijack Twitter and the Warner Brothers consciousness at large with hashtag release the Snyder Cut, which is all well and good. And Zack Snyder deserves that. He had a family tragedy. He deserves that. So good for him. This, to me, is the same sort of cause because who Andrew Bowser represents to me, and I'm going to get a little romantic here, but it's the last of a, of a dying dream. It's the filmmaker calling card. Your, your street credibility, man, you have put in reps after reps after reps of, of Onyx the Fortuitous as Weird Arby's guy or you name him. You have delighted so many people. I really think it's the people's responsibility if you care about original content, original voice if you care about cinema indie filmmaking then please take the the same the same energy keep that same energy that 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 where you supported the cause with hashtag release the snyder cut take that sentiment and please donate to onyx the fortuitous and the talisman of souls at onyxthemovie.com it's the least you can do i think it's your responsibility and if you are a filmmaker and you have the audacity 
to risk 10, 15, 20 years of your life and you yourself as a filmmaker don't have 5, 10, 15, 20, 50, $100 to donate to another director who has proved himself for the better part of a decade and a half, close to two decades, my friend, then you're a hypocrite and you do not support one another. And if we cannot support our neighbors and our friends and our you know sisters from another another mister if we can't do that i don't think we deserve to be filmmaking because you know so often we always talk about the glory days francis ford coppola and brian de palma and you know and george uh lucas and all these guys you know united artists and back then oh it was just so what about now man and i look at you as someone who has busted his ass for quite some time you deserve the $500,000 feature film you're doing it yourself. It's not filmmaking by committee. So this is a plea. Please, if you're listening to this, onyxthemovie.com, you owe it to yourself and to your fellow creatives. And the strangest time ever to be alive, but the best time ever to be a filmmaker, you owe it to donate and support the cause. Tell me, tell me, Andrew, um, what is the dream scenario? We're going to look back at this two months from now. We're going to look at it and it's going to age well or it's going to not age well. So what do you want it to look like? What's the best case scenario after this movie gets made? Where does it go? What is the 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 legacy of Onyx the Fortuitous uh, going on afterwards? Sequels and craziness. I mean, yeah. build that universe out for me, and, and we can we can end on that. Yeah. Well, I really want the film to get made and lead to a sequel. I want there to be. I want not only a way forward for Onyx, I want a really grand way forward for Onyx. I'd love to see multiple movies with him that kind of cement him in a place, not only in comedy history, but horror comedy history. Hmm. I want people to be able to look at the films I want to make with Onyx and say, oh, they were made in the spirit of those 80s films that had so much personality and life and color, like Beetlejuice or The Birds or Gremlins. And because I, I think that's missing from a lot of horror these days. Mm-hmm. So I want the film to get made and lead to other films. And if not other films, I'd love for it to lead to a TV series. Like what we do in the shadows led to a TV series for what we do in the shadows. I'd love to see Onyx live on in a place that can kind of grow both in, uh, in scope for him personally as a character, but also in scope when it comes to the world that he's living in. I want to get more fantastical, more supernatural and just have the kind of fun with Onyx that I had watching those movies in the 80s. Quick nerd question. In Onyx, the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls, does this exist in our world the way the Adams Family existed in our world and they were just right. kind of like the sore thumb sticking out? Or does this exist in like a genre film world? I think it exists in a genre film world. I think it it, it, it is like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, where mm. the whole world is a little off. Mm. Um, Onyx is definitely the most eccentric in that world, but everyone's a little heightened. Everyone's a little surreal. So, um, yeah, it isn't like, whoa, this guy is weird. He's crashing into our world like Adam's Family or the mm-hmm. when they remade the Brady Bunch mm-hmm. movies. It's kind of like the whole world is a bit surreal and heightened. And, um, you know, there's no cell phones. It's kind of timeless. Yeah. It's just this, like, slice of life out of a really, really weird alternate dimension, I guess. I'm so excited for you, and I'm very proud of you, Andrew Bowser, the human, um, doing this and drawing a line in the sand. I think it's a testament to you as a creator, to you as an artist, and you're a genuine filmmaker, sir, so don't let anybody convince you otherwise. You've totally proven yourself time and time again, and you deserve all the accolades that are coming to you in the future, no matter what happens. 
I'm going to be there for it. I'm going to see the next horror comedy it. or horror drama or whatever weird yeah. absurdity, a sequel to to the green shit, whatever. Yeah. I'm there for it. Thank you. Thank I you so much for coming that. on the show, man. It means the world. Please, if you haven't already, donate to Onyx the Movie at onyxthemovie.com. Thank you so much, Andrew. I appreciate it. Thank you. Never ever believe anything you hear. I believe only half of what you see. And always, 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 forever and ever and ever, put a force field around your heart.